With breastfeeding a hot topic across the nation and more women being encouraged to do so, the conversation has also turned to include milk banks. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Kathleen Marinelli. Dr. Marinelli is a neonatologist and director of lactation support services at Connecticut Children's Medical Center, and she's also the medical director of Mother's Milk Bank of New England. She joins us today from her offices in Connecticut. Dr. Kathleen Marinelli, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you very much for having me, Bruce. Well, so this is a really interesting topic because you have the First Lady out talking about, you know, breastfeeding, and, and it's an issue that, you know, rises to the fore many different times in our country's history and more recently. But you're going to tell us about milk banks. So first, a lot of our listeners might not know what they are. So if you could, tell us a little bit about what is a milk bank and why we're hearing so much more about them. Sure. To talk about milk banks, we have to back up just a tiny little bit and talk about breastfeeding because milk banks are really in existence to support breastfeeding. So as you know, we're mammals and we've evolved as a species because we have provided milk for our offspring and that really is the definition of a mammal. And so prior to the late 1800s or so when we began to make artificial formulas to be able to give our babies, the only way babies survived was with human mother's milk. And so back in those days and back in evolution really, if a mother for some reason couldn't feed her baby, if the mother died in childbirth or later if the mother was in the field working and the baby was back in the cave or in the house or whatever, someone had to feed that baby. And so the milk generally came from another woman. So wet nursing, for example, is the way the baby survived. And as we became a formula feeding culture, we didn't need to have another supply of milk as readily available as we did prior to that. And and we really became a formula feeding culture as the Industrial Revolution hit and mothers left their homes and went out to make money to support their families in the workplace. However, there was a resurgence of milk banks in the 70s because we began to understand in terms of the science of human milk how really important it is and all the tremendous benefits we get as a species to ourselves and our babies from getting human milk. And so milk banks developed, and we had quite a few of them here in North America, actually about 50. And then the AIDS epidemic hit, and there was a concern that we would pass the AIDS virus in milk, and they all sort of decreased again. So now there's a resurgence of milk banks again, and that's why you're hearing about them. So a milk bank is literally a place where milk comes from mothers who are donors. They donate the milk, and it is collected. The mothers are screened, and we can talk about that a little bit later if Mm -hmm. you like. That would be great. And the milk comes to the milk bank, and it is stored there, frozen, And then when there's a need for it, it is pasteurized, just like cow's milk is pasteurized that you buy in the grocery store, to kill all the bacteria and viruses that might be in it. And it is then bottled and is essentially sterile and is distributed to mostly babies, but there are other people who get it as well, but mostly babies and mostly fragile babies in neonatal intensive care units who are in need of the milk. Premature and... Premature babies, exactly, and and very sick babies. 
So that's what a milk bank is. And in North America, there's something called the Human Milk Banking Association of North America, Hambana for short, and that is the organization to which all nonprofit milk banks belong. In North America right now, there are 10 functioning milk banks and six milk banks, which are, are developing milk banks. My milk bank, as you mentioned earlier, the Mother's Milk Bank of New England, is within a month of opening and actually pasteurizing our own milk. But we do distribute milk right now from our sister bank in Ohio, and we have been for a couple of years now. So we're sort of the 11th milk bank about to open. That does not sound like a lot of milk banks. And I'm wondering, you, you had brought up the Human Milk Bank Association. I think if you're a physician or patient listening, you're thinking, okay, how do I know where I'm donating is a good place? And how do I know what I'm giving to my patient is good? Excellent questions. And, and questions I get all the time. I lecture on this. It's kind of my job anymore in life to go around lecturing because a lot of people don't even know that milk banks exist, although, as you said, it's becoming a more common word just within the last year or so for a number of reasons, one of which is that the government has decided they're a good thing, and you hear people talking about them. Another is because of a large issue that has come up we can also talk about, which is casual sharing on the Internet. So that's really brought it to the fore as well. The Human Milk Banking Association of North America has written sets of guidelines which are updated every one to two years. And so in that way, we sort of regulate ourselves. And what we do is we, we do what's called a triple screen, and we follow the regulations of the American Blood Banking Association and the same regulations that the transplant, organ transplant association uses. So mothers are given a relatively quick initial phone screen looking for lifestyle and issues with medications and infectious issues on the phone. If they pass that, they're sent a very intense and rather long screening tool that we use that they fill out, which asks them all kinds of questions about their health and their lifestyle and medications they take and do they smoke and things like that, which they need to fill out and return to us. They also need to get a form filled out by their own doctor stating that they're healthy And believe it or not, we need one from their baby's doctor stating that the baby is healthy and thriving because we certainly don't want a mom who's going to send us milk when her own baby isn't getting enough of her own milk, and that does sometimes happen. So there are some checks and balances. So there's checks and balances there. And then if she passes all of that, then she has a blood screen done. And that checks for all the viruses that we worry about that can be transmitted in human milk, and they're essentially the same ones that you get tested for when you go to donate blood. So HIV and the various types, there's three types of HIV. We check for the types of hepatitis. We check for another virus called HTLV, and there are a couple types of that. We check for syphilis, so sexually transmitted diseases, the ones that we would worry about, and that blood is sent to standardized labs to be run, and we wait for those. So if all of those come back negative, then the mother is passed as someone who can donate her milk. If you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Kathleen Marinelli. She is a neonatologist out of Connecticut, and we're talking about 
milk banks. And there are, as we're just talking about, safeguards in this. I know a lot of physicians might want to know, well, what if my patient wants to do this? What if my patient's child, we want her to get milk from a milk bank? And you were just telling us about some of the safeguards that are in place. Yes. And after a mother passes all those screens, so the written screens and then the blood test screens, and that would be exactly what would happen if you were going to donate blood, there's one more final step that doesn't happen when you donate blood or doesn't happen when you donate a kidney, and that is that the milk is pasteurized. And so we know that if, perchance, there were to be any of those viruses we worry about in that milk or bacteria in that milk, we know that 100% of them are killed in the pasteurizing process. Every batch that we pasteurize, one bottle is opened and it is cultured and sent to the lab and none of that milk is released from the milk bank to go to a patient until that culture comes back negative. And if it comes back growing anything at all, the entire batch is tanked. So no milk ever leaves our milk banks that is in any way a worry. And I can tell you that in the 25 years of milk banking, as it is done exactly as it's done today under Havana, we have never had any transmitted diseases or untoward events in any of the patients who have received any of our milk. Well, in this sense, I mean, I know that we're talking about all these, the association and networking and so forth and the paperwork. In this day and age when there's so much concern about drugs and medical products and things and the Food and Drug Administration is clamping down on quality controls with food and drugs, is the FDA, are they inspecting these facilities where it's pasteurized? Another great question. The FDA held a forum back in December, and I was lucky enough to be invited to attend down in Washington, D.C., it was a very, very long day, I can tell you that. And there were many people who testified there. And the FDA was looking to see if we were regulated enough, if we needed more regulation, kind of what was going on with the donor milk banking industry. They were also very concerned about what's going on in the casual milk sharing, what you see happening on the Internet, where you can just essentially go to Google, type in human milk or donor milk, and all these sites will come up where you can get either free or you can buy very inexpensive milk and you and don't would really you know advise where it's people to from. do that? I do not advise okay. people to do that. <laughs> I didn't think that's so. a whole other discussion right, which we right. can have. Right. There are a lot of concerns that the medical community has about that. But the FDA and the CDC have both looked at donor milk banking in the past and have felt that we were policing ourselves and regulating ourselves well. And at the end of the day-long discussion in December, and then there was about a month-long period, or it might have even been longer than that, where you could have testimony submitted, and I did submit testimony that they looked at to try to make a decision. I don't know if they've come out with their absolute final decision, but what they did say to us was they felt that we were doing an absolutely fine job of making sure that the milk supply was safe and that they had no concerns about the ways that we were testing the milk or testing the donors and didn't feel that we needed to alter our methods at all. And they were very much behind the nonprofit donor milk banks in the United States, but they were very concerned about the casual sharing and the Internet 
exchange of milk, and that was one of the things they were going to be looking further into. Well, let me ask you this real quick. If I'm a parent and my wife is having a baby and I'm interested in this, is there the network so vast that like your major birthing centers in the country are going to be aware of this, or are they going to have to search out the Human Milk Banking Association? Is it getting that much mainstream, or does it have a ways to go? It has a ways to go. There are institutions where it is mainstream. At my institution, at Standard of Care, all preemies get a combination of their own mother's milk, and that's really what we want them to get. We want them to get their mother's milk, and we use donor milk as a bridge to help them when they're not making enough milk or any milk while we work on helping them make milk. Some moms can't make milk. If you have a mom who's had a mastectomy or who's on chemotherapy for breast cancer, she needs this milk because it's the only kind of milk she can give her baby. But other moms of preterm babies just need it for a little while to help them get over a hump where they're not making enough of their own milk. So in my institution, Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford, if you deliver there, your baby's going to get human milk. But in other institutions, they haven't heard of it or they're afraid of it. They don't know enough about it. And that's what I do. I educate. And more and more places are coming online, but we still have a long way to go. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Kathleen Marinelli, who's been our guest. She's neonatologist, and she is the medical director of Mother's Milk Bank of New England. And we've been talking about the growth in milk banks. And you will be hearing more about this because they're starting to grow again and become more prevalent in America. For more information, you can contact the Human Milk Bank Association. I'm Bruce Jepson. I've been your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.